Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. All right, so I'm excited about today. We were going to have a guest, Mm -hmm. um, and he had some family emergencies come up, um, but this opened up the the door for an opportunity to talk a little bit about the book that I have coming out this fall. Yes. So excited about it. So I'm going to kind of kick it over to you. We're going to kind of reverse here a little bit. I'm kind of going to let you kind of host and uh, and oh, she's like, mm, I should have worn my blazer, folks. I yeah. should have worn my blazer. It's too hot. <laughs> too hot to be professional. Let's so, see. so this is book number seven. 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 That's a good number. It is a good number. The number of completion. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I will. There are it's more not books. Complete. Yes, correct. Yeah, one hundred percent. So. As this one's rolling out, I know um, I haven't got to read any of it yet. I am on the book launch team, but I know I, I meant to send some of the manuscript out last night, but it didn't happen. Okay. I, that's on the docket for today. So I'm really excited. To yeah. Do this. So I've heard none of it, you guys, but I do know the message behind it. Um, so has any, let's see, book writing process, has any of this changed over the last six to seven books? Oh, that's a good question. I think, um, yes, I think I've gotten faster at writing books, Mm, mostly because I have learned not to overthink what I'm writing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really do a whole lot of editing at all. Um, I used to have writing days and then I would have editing days. I don't even do that anymore. Um, I just write. Um, And when I go back and kind of reread what I wrote, obviously there's some organic editing that happens where I'm like, oh, I missed a word or I Mm -hmm. this or that. Um, my editors and publishers have, have told me that I'm a very clean writer. Like there's very much, very little that they change. Um, and actually very little grammatical errors, which I think is just really an anointing. I mean, cause that's just ridiculous. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think some of it is, um, just learning to flow when I have a thought being and recognizing that this is the anointing, it's the Holy spirit mm-hmm. and that there's an ease to it. And then when it begins to feel not easy, for lack of a better term, that's when I'm done for that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so not really forcing it. And there are some days where I'm just like, I sit down to write and and I feel like I've, it's taken me forever to get the first paragraph out. And those Mm -hmm. are the days that I'm like, okay, today's not the day. I need to maybe spend some time praying instead or what have you. So I, I think it's gotten faster, but it's also gotten easier for Mm -hmm. me to write. Mm -hmm. So even though you have like a goal or a set, Mm -hmm. here's my time set out to write if it doesn't work. It just doesn't happen. Correct. Which can be difficult for me because yeah. I'm like, no, these are my two hours. If <laughs> right. I get my two hours in, you know, so I kind of set like, you know, I kind of have an idea of a deadline of when I want to turn the manuscript into the editor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I, and then I kind of break it down by how many chapters I think the book is going to be, which I usually am pretty close within one or two chapters. Um, and then um, I kind of break it down like, okay, well, loosely, and I say loosely because I, I want to still feel the freedom to mm-hmm, not, right. you know, a goal is obviously set to free you, not to captivate you. Yes. Um, so then I loosely will say, okay, that means I need to re- write a chapter a week, which is really what my goal was, was with this book. And I ended up finishing it probably about two to three weeks ahead of time. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I wasn't, I, I wasn't really on schedule to turn my manuscript in to, till J- July 1st. And I turned it on June 13th. Okay. So and the Holy Spirit go. I know. <laughs> is the spirit or the just that acceleration, you know? Right. And so this book, as well as some of the others, most of the others, I would say, came out of a message. Yes. To begin with. Mm-hmm. So I, I would assume a lot of people have heard 
that message. I think you've done it twice. I have done it twice. Um, So some some people may have heard it said where we call it was called containing his character. Yes. um, And then the glory versus the anointing. Yeah, that was kind of been the two different titles, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. So how much of this book is new? New revelation. Oh, I love that you asked that question because it, there's a there's quite a bit. You know, there are things that I'm like, oh, I did not, I didn't think of that. You know, so when you're writing versus speaking, it's a little bit of a slower process, mm-hmm. um, because you're, you know, you're, you're my mind is going and the spirit is moving, but my 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 fingers have to kind of keep up. Sure. Um, you're also very aware that, you know, and this is going to sound terrible. Like if I'm speaking and something kind of comes flying out of my mouth, that's for lack of a better term, maybe not super thought out or researched. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really just relying on the Holy spirit. Um, it, it, that's not to me as crucial as something that's in writing that people are like, Hmm, I'm not right. sure. Cause they can push pause on a book. Right. right? Um, same thing with a YouTube, you know, when I'm putting, when I'm recording a YouTube, I really want to make sure I've researched things that I've looked up the history behind things so that I have, um, because I know people can push pause mm-hmm. and go, Oh, I'm going to check that out. I'm going to look that up. Mm-hmm. So that's super important. So there's quite a bit in this book that for me, even I'm trying to think of anything specific, even for me, that was like, Oh my gosh, that's good. That's good stuff. Or I would even pause and spend some time praying into it, asking the Lord for greater revelation and so uh, there's quite a bit. Yeah. You know, in, in a book, there's room to take a, what was a 40 minute, a 40 minute message. You're now turning it into six chapters um, because it, a particular section of a book. So this message has always been three messages, three 30 to 40 minute messages. So it's a three part book mm-hmm. and each part has five to six chapters in it. So instead of 30 minutes of information, you're getting what would probably be more like three or four hours of information, Mm -hmm. however long it would take you to read those five or six chapters. So it just gives you a lot more opportunity to expound on things, to really teach. And Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that. Mm -hmm. So for anyone who hasn't heard the message or know what it is, kind of give us an overview of what it's about. So, uh, uh, containing his character. So I, I kind of tossed back and forth and you and I, you were there actually when I received the revelation of what to title this book, because it's really talking about the glory of God and really understanding what is the glory of God, if it can be understood on this, this side of the earth. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but from a practical perspective, it's talking about the importance of walking in the character of God. So I was like, do I go with this big hooky mooky? woo woo title of talking about the glory and miss half of the audience that would be interested in learning about good character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do I, and, and so I really kind of struggled. Do I make the title about character or do I make it about glory? And so you and I had gone, I think to Trinity church one night and there was a lot of prophets there or whatever. And I was ministered to, and while I was in the spirit, the Lord gave me the title and, and said the pursuit of his glory and the subtitle is Seeking the Character of God. Mm-hmm. And I was, and you know, I just, I got the chills when I just said it. <laughs> um, when I heard it, I was like, duh. I mean, that's just so simple. Um, so that being said, th- the book is really about the glory of God and how the glory is the attributes and the person of God and the character of God. And of course, the book goes into the teaching behind that, looking at Old Testament, Old Testament, New Testament um, where we see the glory in the Old Testament, where we see the glory in the New Testament, mm-hmm. and where do we see the glory now being in you and I? And talking about what is the purpose of the glory, what is the power of the glory? Um, and I use the anointing 
to compare and contrast because a lot of us are very familiar with the anointing. And I think if we kind of talk just enough about the anointing to distinguish between the glory and the anointing, then it helps us understand the glory better. Mm -hmm. So it's like the anointing in some regard, it's, it's the, what you feel, it's the ways of God, it's the power of God versus the glory is what you know. It's what you're confident in, even when you don't feel it. Right. Um, it's the knowledge of who God is. So it's going beyond saying, I believe God to heal me and saying, I believe God is a healer, even Mm -hmm. if he doesn't heal me. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's going beyond the anointing and saying, I really want to have an understanding and be firmly established in the attributes of who God is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I want to move beyond his hand and I want to know his heart. Mm -hmm. So the whole first part is really just teaching what is the glory, talking about the anointing again for the purpose of distinguishing this is what what the glory is not. Um, I think, I think, I think there's a book in me that will almost be reversed that will say the pursuit of his anointing, seeking the power of God Mm -hmm. would be the opposite book. And talking about what is the anointing compared to the glory and why is it valuable in our life? What is the power that it brings and how do I cultivate that in my life? Whereas this book is the first one. First part is teaching. What is the glory? The second part is what is the power of his glory? What does the glory do for me? Like, why is this important? So for example, um, one of the chapters is talking about how the glory cancels the presence of self, um, that I become everything going on in my mind, my will, my emotions, my circumstances become inconsequential when I get saturated in the attribute of God. Mm -hmm. So a, a very practical example is when I'm feeling fear or when I'm feeling anxious, if I can pause for a moment and really just get saturated in the attribute of God's love then all of a sudden that anxiety or that fear begins to dissipate. It gets canceled by the attribute of God's love. So the whole second section is really talking about all the things that the glory does for you. Mm -hmm. It cancels the presence of self. Um, I can't even think of the other ones. Part three is talking about how do I cultivate the glory then? How do I grow in the glory of God? How do I grow in good character? How do I really move beyond, beyond just behaviors, um, and patterns and actions, and how do I allow it to become really this is who I am? So let me give you an example of that. So even as believers, a lot of us have learned the appropriate appropriate way to behave as a Christian. But if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times in our heart and our mind, that's not what's happening. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. I know I'm not supposed to be judgmental. I know I'm not supposed to be critical. And I have learned how to not speak those things, not how to not behave those ways, but I still have those things going on in my heart and my mind. That's a lack of the glory of the Lord. So Mm -hmm. I've learned how to behave like a believer, but it's like, like I always say, it's not you, right? It's, it's not, it's not, it's not become who I am. Right. I haven't become a person who's just non-judgmental. I've just learned, I've learned how to manage that with my tongue. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I think the book, um, is, for me, you know, I was raised um, Catholic, stepped into a Baptist doctrine, um, and then later in my life, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so the last decade of my life has really been all about the power and understanding the beauty of the anointing and feeling God, mm-hmm. you know, just having that tangible feeling of God. I keep getting the chills. Having that tangible feeling of God and how much we love what we call the woo-woo, yeah. right? The yummy. Yes. But in all that, um, 
God has kind of taken me back to some of my roots of really recognizing that the anointing, if it does not flow out of the character and the attributes of God, then it's a false anointing or it's mm. an imitated anointing. Mm. Um, just like the magicians could do in the Old Testament. They could right. imitate the anointing. I can imitate love. I yeah. can imitate grace. Mm-hmm. I can imitate kindness. But the genuineness of the anointing flows out of the attribute of God. So if I'm having a hard time liking somebody, I can behave nice to them. I can act like I like them. That's imitating the character Mm -hmm. of God. But if I want it to become true to who I am, then I need to really get saturated in the character of God and work that out in my closet. Yeah. That's really interesting. I was like, okay, so do you think the other person, does it have an effect on the other person, the receiver? I love that you asked that because so in the, in the, um, in the Hebrew and in, in the Greek, it, it, the word character actually comes from the word caricature, which is actually a tool that was used to carve, to mold, or to mark mm-hmm. a thing. Um, And so I use the verbiage throughout the book talking about what leaves a mark. Okay. So we talk about personality versus character. Mm -hmm. Like a personality can sway a person. It can win a person over, but good character. If I think about my lifetime, it hasn't been people with really good personalities that have left a mark in my life. It's been people who have had great character Mm -hmm. that has left a mark in my life. It's not the people that could operate in the anointing. It's the love that people had that's left a mark. So in answering your question, I think when we're dealing with people, if I really want to, it's so part of that leaving a mark also denotes the idea of, of impressing, to leave an impression mm-hmm. in, right? And everybody wants to leave an impression in the world. I and mean, right. part of my mantra is influencing cultures around you, leaving an impression. And we're not gonna do that with a false anointing. Mm-hmm. We can't fake our way there. Um, might you get some shallow followers? Sure. Might you m- give some fallow impre- fa- uh, shallow impressions? Maybe. And I think this is where social media has really veered our culture astray. Yeah. You know, where we're impressed by outward external things that we don't really know. We don't know the character of mm-hmm. people. You can put on Facebook, you can put on your Instagram, you can put whatever you want and you create your own mirage and people fall in love with that mirage. And we're lying to ourselves if we think our culture is being impressed with character because they are not. Mm -hmm. Character requires relationship. It requires that one-on-one. And I am not interested in putting out a false mirage and getting a large following, but rather what does it look like to leave a mark Mm -hmm. in the lives of those around me. And that's only done through good character. And that's the glory of God. Mm. His glory marked the earth through the person of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus left, the blood of Jesus now leaves a mark in our lives. And we are called to be carriers of the glory. And we are to leave a mark here on earth, more specifically on the people around us. Mm -hmm. That is only done through the person of God. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking about Jesus as you were talking about that. And I was like, you know, the Bible says he wasn't attractive or nothing would have drawn you to him. And that's good. As you read it, of course. That's not in the book, but I would put it in there now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as you read the Bible, not that we know everything or the way everything was said, but he doesn't come off as a very charismatic, personable, you know, he's just 
kind of yeah. dry. He just gives these these stories and these truths. Yes, and, <laughs> this is how it is. Yeah, but it so it had to have been that character that drew mm-hmm. people and who actually yes. would follow to the death. Yet we knew that, yes, there was something about him that people were drawn to. Mm-hmm. There was something about him that people couldn't stay away from. And I think about like the woman with the issue of blood. And I think about how she touched the edge of her, his cloak. She hadn't seen him heal anybody. Right. She hadn't felt his power. There was something she knew about who Jesus was. She was confident in the attributes of God that he is healer. Mm-hmm. And the knowledge of that glory and the knowledge of that attribute released the anointing of healing in her body. Mm-hmm. But that healing flowed out of the knowledge and the confidence of his glory. Yeah. I'm telling you, I think we got it backwards because yeah. what we do, what we do in a worship setting, what we do in church is we're like, let's stir up the anointing. So the glory will fall. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, no, no, no. If you look biblically, the glory of the Lord hovered over the expanse of the earth. And then when God spoke, it was the glory, the person of God that was manifested, that that would be the Mm -hmm. anointing, right? The anointing came out of the glory. The glory is the parent. The anointing is the child. And a lot of times we use the child of the anointing to try and stir up the glory of God. And and I think I'm confident we have it backwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if we sat more in our closets and really came to understand the glory of God, who he is to me when I'm in, in my room by myself in my closet, who is God to me and who am I? That is what impresses who I become when I'm out in the world. Right. And if I can't be true to who I am, if I'm not, if I don't believe that God is true to who he is, then it needs to start there. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but we all chase down the anointing. It's glittery. It's fun. It's fancy. It's feeling, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I love it. I love the anointing. Um, but I have fallen more and more in love with the glory of the Lord mm-hmm. um, because the glory of the Lord is what's going to impress people. It's yeah. what's going to leave a mark. Yeah. I was just thinking about um, the prayer night we had at um, Patty Pace's house. I was yeah. like, she is a perfect example of the yes. glory of the Lord. And the way you come into, you know, you come into a lot of these meetings and stuff like that. It's the stir up the anointing. But, you know, she sat there and we all focused on on the blood. We focused on testifying of the yes. Lord, of who he is to us yes, and people good. speaking out about it. And then the anointing fell. And then the anointing then the fell. Anointing fell. Yeah. And, you know, you just, I've come to learn that more and more. I'm like, I, you, of course I want the anointing. Of course I want the woo Of course. But... This, the glory is so much better. And yeah. as I was, I was even thinking about it this morning. Um, I know I, I'm looking at the, we got keep going uh, on. go keep, co- yeah, go ahead. No, I was, um, you know, I told you the other day, I was like, you know, it's different not working in ministry anymore. You know, I work mm-hmm, in a mm-hmm. secular job now. Yeah. Um, and it's just so like the spiritual life is so different because you don't step into the anointing on a daily basis yes. or even weekly basis anymore. But this morning, as I, was, as I was just driving, I was like, I, but I know I'm like, I'm going to focus on what I know about God yeah, that's good. and that he is these mm-hmm. things. He is the provider. He is, he's still the same, even though I'm not feeling this woo woo over here. Yes. And that, that's just more powerful yeah. 
to yeah. me. I'm, I remember the first couple of times that I ever went into a prayer meeting and it was like I was seeing everybody clearly be affected visibly by the anointing. And I was sitting there and not really feeling anything mm-hmm. and starting to have this interaction with the Lord of just really uh, the Lord asking me, but do you believe that I am all of these things, even if you don't feel them or see them for you personally? And just kind of coming to that resolve where I'm like, Man, I don't have to feel you. Yeah. I still passionately love you. More importantly, I still am convinced that you love me just as much as this person that's crying or weeping or shaking mm-hmm. or falling out slain or whatever it is. Like your love for me is just the same. And there was a level of of maturity, I guess, to be able to shift from this place to saying like, I don't have to feel you right. to know you. Mm-hmm. So when you look, there's so many places in scripture where it talks about, well, David's a great example of how he was established in the knowledge of not just who God was, but what God had called him to. Mm -hmm. So even when the people turned against him, even when all of his people were taken captive, there was a resilience that he had because he was anchored in the glory, Mm -hmm. not in the power. Mm He was anchored in the heart of God, the word of God, not in the power of God or the hand of God. So sometimes God is seemingly silent in our lives. He is seemingly not showing up. We're not seeing him work. We're not feeling him. Is God even in the presence? He's seemingly asleep. Well, the, the, the a disciples in the boat is a great example. God's presence was there even though he was sleeping. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's a maturity to be able to say, I don't have to feel him. Right. I just know that I know. Right. I know that I know. And that sounds easy when we're sitting here at a table and everything is, well, we did have a heated, <laughs> we did have a heated morning, but it, but it sounds easy. When you're in the throes of the emotions. Are we confident? When I am experiencing failure after failure after failure, mm-hmm. am I confident that God has a plan for me, mm-hmm. that I have value for the kingdom, that I am worthy, that God looks at me and he sees a success. I'll say mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Can I experience one thing, but be fixed in another thing? And there's just so much of a tenacity and a resilience that is groomed and grown when we come to the confidence and the establishment of the attributes of God. Mm-hmm. So would you say... I'm just thinking would the the glory of the God of God just navigate your life mm-hmm. long term and the anointing is like a, a momentary yeah like just either not a fix but a yeah I think I think so I, I think I think I think if we're saturated in the glory and there's a continual awareness of of God's glory then the anointing should be a continuum it should be a um, be being filled Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that comes back to how do we define the anointing? And again, sometimes we put the anointing in the box to say, well, it's the glitzy, it's the feely, it's the whatever, but it's also that I feel overwhelmed with compassion for this person in a moment, Mm -hmm. or I'm in a scenario and I feel compelled to be kind. I feel compelled to pay for this person's meal. I feel compelled to give this person a hug. Mm So it, uh, th- that's the anointing, right? Mm. So that's the, the attribute and the character of God kind of rising up and coming out of us. So we carry the glory, but when we begin to move and operate, what we're seeing is the anointing. Mm. Um, so I think they, I think we should be fixed in the glory, but the more we're fixed in the glory, actually, I think the more we'll see the anointing. Mm. It just won't always look the way 
Yeah, that broadens the definition of the anointing. So those people who may never feel the shaking and the falling out and everything, Mm -hmm. but the anointing happens in other ways. Absolutely. When you like, again, when you feel this, sometimes we call it empathy, right? Like people are like, I'm just an empath. And I'm like, okay, well, if you bring that under the understanding of God's grace and his mercy, I think what you'll find is you flow in the anointing of compassion Mm -hmm. where you're able to feel what people feel. You have the wrenching of the guts. That's what compassion means in the Greek to have a wrenching of the gut. Mm -hmm. And there are people who flow in that anointing And they flow in that anointing because of the attribute of God's love and grace and compassion. Uh, Were it not for God's compassion, we wouldn't know what it is. is. Were it not for God's love, we wouldn't know what love is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, yeah, it does broaden our understanding of what what is the anointing. And again, that's not to, um, to disregard the anointing when it shows up in the form of shaking and quaking and laughing and crying, whatever it is. Uh, y'all know Brittany and I love some of that. Um, but if that's all we ever experience. Yeah. That wouldn't hold me. You know, no. Right. When I have a bad day, when everything's coming against me, that wouldn't, that mm-hmm. wouldn't keep me grounded and mm-hmm. focused. So some of the things I talk about in the book is really challenging people to think outside of the box, the box. And I'll say the box of the church. And when I say the church at this point, I am talking about the institution of the church mm-hmm. that we feel like we have to go to the church, a church, whatever it is in order to experience God, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to learning to experience God in your closet. Right. Um, and so what we're doing is we're pulling on the anointing of the environment. We're pulling on the anointing of the worship team. We're pulling on the anointing of the message, the people around us mm-hmm. to try and get us into or fix us, fix our problems, try to get us into the glory. Um, and, and again, I, I think there's power in recognizing it. So, I mean, I, I say what, one of the things I said is Moses found God on a mountaintop. Mm-hmm. Jesus actually went in the opposite direction. The Bible says he, he flew from Jerusalem and he went into the Judean wilderness to seek isolation with God. So again, I'm not bashing the church, but I am saying, I think we look to the church and we rely on the church to do what God wants to do for us in our closet. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I will say that there are times when I'm like, Ooh, that was great. I felt good or whatever, but now I need to get in my closet because I want to actually, I want to be alone with God. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, I think, I think that sometimes, and this is on, on man, not the churches. I think as, as humans, we look to the church to do for us what we're, what what we're only going to find in our closet. And then we feel disappointed and depleted in the church. And it's like, well, you're putting an expectation on the church that you should be getting in your closet or in the wilderness, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And David found God in a field. Yep. You know, I mean, think about the old Testament where they didn't have the tabernacle. They didn't have the temple. They didn't have all of that, where did they find God? Mm-hmm. They found in him. Day to day. It, yes. Yeah. And it's like, what, what would happen if we put all our expectation in the church and then someday even look at 2020, the church is shut down. Yes. Then what happened? You yeah. know, what happened to people yeah. in there? Were you able they, to stand? Were you established? And, and I'm not saying again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying there's not value in the church. I'm sure. just, I'm saying if all your value is in the church and you don't recognize your ability to experience God in your closet. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible says, God God says, I, I permitted myself to be found by those who didn't seek me. Hmm. That's how desperate, sorry. <laughs> That's how, how desperate he is to illuminate himself to you. 
Mm-hmm. I permitted myself to be found by those who didn't seek me. And he says, if you seek me with your whole heart, I will be found by you. And I will show you great and unspeakable things that you have not known. This is a promise that God has given to us. And I think we wait for the church to reveal. We wait for the worship team to lead us to places. And we don't recognize the beauty of the glory in our closet. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, you know, I, and I think that's some of the reason why, and, and I don't, I don't want to make this about bashing the church because that's not my intention at all. Um, and, and the issues that are wrong with a church, right, are the people in it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think if we spent more time in our closet and we spent more time really allowing God to heal us by his character instead of the touch of a pastor, Mm. right, Mm -hmm. to convict us by his character instead of by the altar call, you know, to bring us to the shaking and the quaking because the spirit of the Lord has filled my closet from the inside out, not Mm -hmm. from the outside in, um, that's when change takes place on the inside. We mm-hmm. experience this internal shifting and there's, there's nothing. And we talk about the shaking and the quaking. There's nothing more shifting than when you get overwhelmed with truth in a moment. Right. I can be in my closet having a whatever conversation with the Lord. And when all of a sudden I become aware of an attribute that attacks that thing, the shifting and the rattling and the shaking that begins to take place inside of me is astounding. Mm. It's astounding. Especially if I find myself wrestling with that thing. Like, well, I, I don't feel like that. I, I don't believe that. I, I'm having a hard time recognizing that. And I, but I hear the Lord say, but I am, yeah. but I am, but I am, but I am. And you just begin to feel that internal warring. Things begin to shift mm. on the inside. I'm, I am, bored and I am worn out with the fake shifting on the outside. Mm. It's too easy. Mm-hmm. It's too easy and it's empty, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's like, like you've heard me say it a mazillion times, the spirit can do better than that. Yeah. We can do better than that. You know, if I'm sitting in a in a room and I catch myself tolerating somebody and I'm like, I wish they would stop talking. I immediately am coming to a place in my life where I hear the spirit say, but you can do better than that Mm -hmm. because I never respond to my children that way. I never get tired of hearing their voice. Mm -hmm. I never roll my eyes at them and I am in you. And as I am, so you are in this world. So we can do better than that. Mm -hmm. And so it's like God is calling me to this higher place of who am I really on the inside, not just on the outside. One of the things I talk about is I use the example because narcissism is such a popular conversation right now. Narcissists have really great personalities, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, but they have terrible character. I mean, that's what they're known for, right? They have terrible character. Um, and so we, when you're talking earlier about Jesus, not being very charismatic, I mean, I think that hits the nail on the head and recognize that it's really not about being liked by people. It's not about your personality. It's not about your giftings. I mean, the, the gifts, the gifts that you have, the skill set you have is very different than the anointing. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and typically they fit each other. Mm-hmm. Typically the anointing is fit to your gifting. I can write really well, even when the anointing isn't moving. Right. But I can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. I could sit there and wrestle with a paragraph for an hour and it would end up being good, but it wouldn't be anointed. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't leave a mark right? because it's not flowing out of the glory. 
That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> All right, let's see who we have with us today. Aaron Ash is with us today. Good morning. Uh, Tammy Lord Murphy says, this is good. Can't wait to get started. Conviction from our closet. That's good, but I am. It's good. If you're with us this morning, give us a wave. Give us a hello. We would love to hear from you, the viewer, either on Facebook or you can find us on YouTube as well. Yeah, with that, when she says, you know, the conviction from the closet, you know, when you're saying, but I am, you know, the Lord was saying, but I am, but I am, you know, and I've watched you minister to people and you're like, say it again, say it again, say it again. And you can watch, physically yes. watch somebody come into an alignment and a shift spiritually, but we're still relying on having to rely on other people mm-hmm. to get us there, whether mm-hmm. it be the minister, the message, the worship mm-hmm. team. And if we can just get it all from, from the Lord. Yeah. Um, we can. Yes, we can. It's just allowing, I guess. Well, yeah, and and let me say this. uh, For those who are watching, you can get it from the Lord, but it requires... It requires some space and time. You've got to create some margin in your life. I think we've become very busy people, um, and I think we've got to be intentional to create that space and that margin. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about to study the Scriptures or Mm -hmm. to read the Word. I'm saying, like, sit alone in silence. And just become aware of God's presence. And, and, you know, you guys hear me say this a lot, just talking about just learning how to rest, receive, and relax. And just be, allow yourself to be saturated in the person of God and allow his attributes to just begin to shift. Again, if you think about a cookie cutter and pressing into cookie batter mm-hmm. and cutting out a mold and cutting out a shape, we're talking about the same thing. So what I'm doing is I'm laying myself and I'm like, okay, I'm just this giant slab of cookie batter and I'm just going to lay here, God, and I'm going to allow you to impress your grace into me and impress your love into me and impress, impress your courage into me and impress your boldness into me, to impress your dreams into me and just allow him to just begin to impress and shape and mold and, and that's difficult for a lot of us who are doers. I'm a doer. Mm-hmm. I want to see that I got something done. I right. want to see that I read two or three chapters of scripture and I took some really good notes. I want to see that. And, and that's where a lot of this book comes out of as it was when I went to that Alaska trip. And I wanted to, I had this whole week alone with God and I wanted to have this great, incredible experience, encounter. I wanted to feel the fire, the blow, <laughs> the wind blow through the, uh, the room. And I didn't experience any of that. But as the week went on, the Lord began to reveal to me places where I used to struggle and I don't struggle anymore. Mm-hmm. And he was showing that throughout the years that the time spent with him his person, his presence, his attributes have been shaping and molding and shifting on the inside. Mm-hmm. I talk about the uh, uh, the wedding at Cana and the water that's turned into wine mm-hmm. and how, again, we don't know when that miracle happens. Right. We know that somewhere from water to wine, something happens. Mm-hmm. And it happens inside of a vessel. But we begin to see evidence. We see evidence of the miracle as it's being poured out. Um, And I think that's what God is teaching me more and more as we see evidence of the shifting on the inside as we respond, as we pour out in service, as we pour out in the way we respond to our children, the way we respond to our husband, and the way we respond to somebody at Walmart, whatever it is. That's when we begin to see evidence of what's happening in the vessel. That's good. 
So when somebody else gets a taste of it, then we know. Yes, that's good. Yes. It's actually. Yeah. And when they get a taste of it, they're impressed by that taste. Mm -hmm. But mind you, that taste can be bitter. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what is pouring out of us? And are we faking it? Mm -hmm. Because if we're faking it, we're not leaving an impression. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So you said, so, you know, receiving that character and, and seeing the character of the Lord, the glory of the Lord in your closet you know, it doesn't have to be reading a specific part of scripture, just relaxing in it. But is there that place for, is that for an experienced believer? Like somebody who's new, yeah, don't yeah. we need I think that's the scripture a good to know? Mm-hmm. I think that's a good question. I think you need the character both. Is. Yes. I think you need both. And, and I talked about, there was a time in my life where, you know, coming out of the Baptist doctrine, very good at not at teaching the word, knowing the word, reading the word, yeah. meditating on the word. You got to be in the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. And I 225% believe in that, right? Like, mm-hmm. so um, I'm laughing because I said 225%. <laughs> like, that's really, um, I totally believe in that. But it took a lot of courage. This is very interesting. There was, a, there was a time in my life when the Lord was like, okay, now close the word and just sit in my presence mm-hmm. and trust me to resurrect the word, to bring the word to life. Um, at that point, the word had just been a lot of knowledge that I had. Right. And when the Bible says that, that the word of God is a double-edged sword, um, that it's alive and it's active um, and it divides between the soul and the spirit. I was looking for the activity and the power of the word at that point to be able to divide between what my soul says and what the spirit says is Mm -hmm. true. And that requires allowing the Holy Spirit to marinate the word. Um, And so for me, it was a little bit nerve wracking again, because I'm a doer to be like, so the Lord told me, I want you to do 50, 50. So I did this like two, two to three hour study time every afternoon when my kids were napping and, um, which by the way is when I think all of my books were written actually, <laughs> or at least revealed. Um, but the Lord said at one point, I want you to, to 50% of your time, I want you to study the scriptures and the other 50% of your time, I just want you to sit in my presence and I want yeah. you to learn how to be intimate with me. And it felt like a giant waste of time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I could have read so many, I could have filled out three more pages in my journal. I could have gotten so much more information or whatever. But during those time frames, it was within the first week or two that I started speaking in tongues. Mm. And I really began to, the scriptures just came to life for me. They became real. Right. Uh, when it talks about how the word of God became flesh. Mm-hmm. It's like the word of God in me started becoming flesh. It be, started becoming human. Like I started beginning to have this understanding of what it looks like, of how do I allow myself to not just become saturated with the information of the word, but become saturate, saturated with the character of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's very, you know, I use the example of the disciples who are on the road to Emmaus and Jesus comes and he begins to talk to them. Yeah. And how they were, they were in the presence of God, and he was speaking the word of God, but they missed the revelation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's possible. I think it's possible to have all kinds of information and knowledge about God, but we, we miss the revelation of his character, and therefore we don't walk in his character. We've learned how to imitate. I mean, church is really good at teaching us oh, yeah. how to behave, mm-hmm. and they're really good at condemning us when we don't behave the mm-hmm. right way. Mm-hmm. And if we don't start looking past behaviors and actions and attitudes 
and attributes and start going after the heart. And this is part of what we talk about in the parenting course. Right, yeah, that's all discipleship is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we got to look past your child's behavior and ask what's happening in the heart of my child. But instead, we just discipline behavior, discipline mm-hmm. behavior, and we never disciple the soul. Mm-hmm. And we certainly don't pastor the spirit. And that's how the Lord wants to respond to us. He's not interested in your behavior. He's interested in your heart. Because if your heart is transformed, the behavior will change. Right. But as a church, as a people, as a culture, we want people to act right. Yeah. You know, if you're gay, don't act like that in front of me. Mm -hmm. That's not the issue. Mm -hmm. So we've got to be willing to teach people the attribute. Number one, God is love. 100%. God is love. I mean, I talk a lot about his love and um, the plumb line of his love. Mm -hmm. And what does it look like to be saturated by his love on a daily basis? I just got a little overwhelmed. But really knowing how deeply God loves you. Mm -hmm. And I think we talk about that so much and we don't, we miss the miracle of his love Mm -hmm. personally. Yeah. We watch his, the miracle of his love and everybody around us. Right. But in your daily doings, God loves you. Mm -hmm. And if we pause in a moment and say right here, right now in this stress moment, do I believe God's love? is enough. Mm. Is it more than enough? Will it carry me through the next two minutes, 30 seconds, 30 minutes, 30 days, whatever it is? Because if we're wrestling that with that, we're wrestling with that. We're wrestling with the glory. glory, Yeah. And wrestle that out. Have that conversation with the Lord and, and settle that he is, Mm -hmm. he is, he is. This is not about how God loves you. It's that God is love. He is, he is it. And if I believe that God is love, then things begin to shift inside of me. Mm-hmm. They begin to change, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Sorry. Let that, <laughs> let that change you today. <laughs> I cannot, uh, I cannot express how much I love the book writing process. I think I've, you know, you and I were talking the other day and I think, I think, I think maybe I'm a little bit in a grieving season where I'm like grieving the end of the writing of this Mm. book because I have anticipated writing this book for probably two years. I've been writing, I've been waiting for the right season. I've been waiting for just that now's the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, some of my books got picked up by Five Stones Press and they were very interested in publishing this book. So that was part of the timing that we were waiting on. Um, But now that it's over, I feel kind of, I feel a relief, but I also feel it's like a loss of a relationship, yeah. you know, where you've kind of been just interacting with this topic for years. Yeah. Um, and that being said, I also feel, you know, you have to really trust that it's complete. So let me give you an example. In the conclusion, there are, there are so many things that in the Bible, especially when you're researching a topic, it's like everything is about the glory and the anointing, mm-hmm. right? Like all of a sudden everything becomes so obvious. One of the obvious ones is in Isaiah 60 and Isaiah 61. Isaiah 60 is talking about how the glory of the Lord is upon you. Mm -hmm. Rise and shine for the glory of the Lord is upon you. Present tense, whole message in and of itself. And then it goes into saying the spirit of the Lord looks like this Mm -hmm. in Isaiah 61. So Isaiah 60 is all about the glory of the Lord Isaiah 61 is all about the anointing. Mm. It will come in the form of an anointing in the person of Jesus Christ. And here's what it will look like. And this is what it will look like in your life. 
But if you remember in Isaiah 60, this, none of this is in the book, which is where I was like trying to fit it in the book. And the Lord was like, it's complete. So I was like, oh, I'll save it for the conclusion. Um, and I kept trying to make it fit in the conclusion. And the Lord was like, we're, we're not putting that in the book. <laughs> I was like, but Get it's good. It. And the Lord was like, you, you, you have, com- this is complete. Like you have completed what you want to say. But it's interesting in Isaiah 60, because I was reading again yesterday, really asking the Lord, can I please still put this in the book? And, um, which again is like, don't write what I don't tell you to write. Yeah. You know, it can be good. And so I'm curious to know what God is going to do with all this, but, and maybe he'll save it for the other book. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, But in Isaiah 60, it talks about how people from the East, the West, that they will be drawn to the light. Mm -hmm. That's the impression, Mm -hmm. right? That's what you were saying about Jesus, that people were drawn to him because Mm -hmm. the glory of the Lord was upon him. Right. There was an illumination that he walked in that spoke louder than what he was saying, than his actions. I think, um, you know, we've become a very talkative nation. (laughs) And I was reading this morning on Burleson Residence talking, and I'm like, it's interesting to me the things that people will post that have nothing to do with them, that are completely unnecessary. And the hundreds, and by hundreds, I mean hundreds of comments of people getting fired up about a scenario that has nothing to do with Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Nothing. And I think, I think as a nation, we need to go back to the idea of when it, when it says your actions are speaking louder than words, I'd like to change that to your character. Your character will speak louder than your actions and will speak louder than your words. Mm-hmm. Are you confident in your character when you walk into a room to be what speaks on your behalf? Or do you feel like you have to talk? Mm. That's good. <laughs> And I, I, I just, and I'm a talker, uh, you know, I'm a talker. I always have something to say, but the more I grow in the attribute, it's like when Jesus just began to write in the sand, what, what, mm-hmm. what in the heck? I mean, there's, <laughs> can you imagine just the shift, the narrative just beginning to move in that scene as because of silence, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he didn't have to defend himself. He didn't have to defend the kingdom. He didn't have to defend his father. He just was content to stop, wait, and be. And I I think there's power in that, and there's freedom in that. Definitely. Super freedom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If there's more than freedom, it's super freedom. (laughs) So let me shift for a moment and just give a plug for a couple of places where you can find a little bit more um, about Lisa Schwartz. Mm-hmm. I speak of myself in the third person because yeah. otherwise it's weird if I say about me, about Lisa Schwartz. So, and I want to share a couple of exciting things. So, um, YouTube, obviously you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on TikTok. Uh, I have two podcast shows out now, um, talk, teach and talk with Lisa and enforcing purpose, purpose with Lisa Schwartz. Um, and then of course all the books, which you can find mm-hmm. on my, on Amazon, you can find on my website, yada, yada. But I've been overly, um, I don't, I don't want to say impressed, uh, impacted, I think, by how the Lord has been working through various um, platforms. Mm, yeah. You know, it's been prophesied over me for years that I would speak to the nations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have never really loved that idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always been like, well, Lord, you're going to have to work that out because 
I don't super want to travel to third world cultures. Like I don't really, you know, I don't, I have six children. I have a lot of stuff at home or whatever, but it's interesting how over the last six, seven, eight months, how, um, random people from TikTok through YouTube, uh, podcast, even had somebody contact me. It said somebody had given me a copy, given them a copy of one of my books, how the Lord is beginning to work in exactly the way he said he would, but different than the picture that I drew right, from it. Right. Right. <laughs> so I say all that to say, um, uh, just to give honor to God mm-hmm. and to, to declare out loud that he's a God of his word. Mm-hmm. And he, if he said it, he will do it. And it may not look the way, and you're going to like the way he does it. Yeah. Like I had this fear, like, I'm like, Oh God, please don't take me to Africa. I don't right. want to go to Africa. Oh, please don't take me. I remember years ago, like 20 years ago, before I was even filled with the spirit, Somebody saying like we were in a Bible study and she was like they were like if God tell, calls you to Africa you go to, better go to Africa and I had a friend who had just come back back from Africa and she was like and he does that sometimes he'll call you to Africa and I remember feeling fear like oh God please don't call me to Africa but if God it, it's cliche but if God calls you to it right yeah. he's going to empower you but he's also going to give you the will to do it mm. that's what it says he said I am the God who gives you the energy to do and to will to do. Mm. Meaning not just to do it, but to want, want to, to do, do it, it. Yeah. right? So I'm just praising God that I'm like, oh, thank you that I'm starting to see evidence of this. And, and listen, if God still calls me to other nations, I will certainly go. Um, but we're seeing God beginning to, we're seeing the manifestations of some of these prophetic words for years. Mm-hmm. For years, we've been like, is God working? Is he not working? And it's been crazy the amount of people who have re- reached out for deliverance topics, baptism of the Holy Spirit topics, mostly just wave of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see how this book comes out because it takes it a step further mm-hmm. um, and going beyond the anointing and beyond deliverance and beyond speaking in tongues and really pressing into the attributes of God and the kingdom. That's exciting. I know. I'm excited about it. Um, And I think that's it for today. Yeah. All right, you guys. Remember, enforcing purpose. It It starts starts with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.